Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. Welcome to another episode of Resilient Minds 365. I'm Cleone Crawford, your host. Thank you very much for coming today. We have a wonderful guest with us. We have Justin Bryan. Who is Justin Bryan? Well, Justin Bryan is a mental health advocate. He's an inspirational speaker and a professional executive coach. Um, however, to be able to put those titles in front of his name, he had to overcome a 16-year-old battle with addiction and lifelong battle with depression. After hospitalizing himself with suicidality and alcoholism on Ju January the 4th, 2019, he turned his life around to help others understand the capabilities of what mental health and addiction can do to a person. So with that said, I now present to you, Justin Bryan. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing very well. And thank you for getting my last name right. Not a lot. A lot of people call me Breen, Brienne. Not a lot of people get it, Brian. <laughs> okay, no worries. No worries. I'm glad I got it right, too. So, Justin, tell us a little bit. First of all, where are you from? I'm from a little town um, in British Columbia called Salmonar, BC. And it's a town of about 18,000 people. But in the summers, like, we have a big lake. So, um, we multiply by I don't know how many okay that's cool that's cool so tell us a little bit more about your profession what you do currently so what do I do I'm actually a part-time server still because I just started my coaching and my speaking okay. so I, I serve part-time but I also I came up with a 12-week personal development program called the stronger you project where I work with people one-on-one -on -one for 12 weeks to really turn their kind of turn their lives around you know they want to set up healthy boundaries, work on their self-confidence, move past those self-learning beliefs, identifying, you know, fear, stress, anxiety, and triggers, and really trying to move past those barriers. And one of the biggest things we work on is, you know, finding your why, what's your purpose, what's your passion, and working on that non-negotiable list to keep you um, more accountable and from less procrastination. Mm -hmm. So what people do is they work with me one-on-one, -on -one, they get homework, they get modules, they get an accountability sheet where they actually grade themselves on how they did that week. Cool. And then we meet uh, every week. And then I also get uh, 24 hour um, support if they have to reach out. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting. It sounds really cool. And how long have you been doing that? About eight or nine months now. Eight or nine. Okay. So it's brand new. It's a brand new practice. That's awesome. So have you, have you gotten yourself a lot of clients doing that so far? I mean, it's still new, but, um, actually I've already had eight clients go through the, go through the program right now. And it's really cool to see them, you know, to see the changes they make. Some make it within four weeks, some make it at six, some make it at eight. Um, some made it, one guy made it at the biggest change that uh, I think, yeah, 10 weeks or something, something close. No, it was, well, maybe it was eight or nine, but, uh, it's just something switched, something happened dramatically, and they just they just got it and they bought into the system, they did the work and and then they turned it around. I remember one lady at week six, uh, we were going over limiting beliefs, and I think I believe it was limiting beliefs, and uh 
she just started crying. Oh no. Uh oh. Uh-oh. But there were tears of joy because she finally I said something to her and then she started crying and she finally started to realize her self worth. Mm. And she said, thank you. And that was one of the coolest things I've been a part of uh, is to see someone realize that, hey, you are worth more than you know. And she kind of started to step into herself. Cool. So what is the most rewarding thing that has happened? I mean, other than the story you just gave, what is the most rewarding thing that, it, that your current profession has done for you? What is, um, yeah, what has it done for you? How well, you know what? I've had a, another guy become more or two people uh become more successful at their home life and their business life mm-hmm. personal and professional another person quit drinking actually which was pretty cool to be a part of yeah. but it's, it's just seeing yeah it's just seeing the transformation um from when we start to where they finish and I know a lot of people are were hesitant to to do it and like to get on the first calls they were nervous and stuff but I encourage them like hey come on it's okay and we can just sit here and talk. It's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, one girl actually went back to school. Cool. <laughs> She's upgrading her profession. So it's really cool to be able to see the transformation and to be able to give back kind of thing to help people along their way and realize that they are worth it. That, you know, putting self-care and yourself first, you can actually be better for other people. A lot of my clients, that's the biggest problem they had was, you know, putting themselves first, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, you want to be there for your kids. You want to be there for your spouse. But when you start filling up um, other people's buckets and your bucket's not getting full, well, then you start to get drained. And when you start to get drained, your emotions get triggered. You start to get irritable, frustrated, sad, like angry, really easy. But if you can start to take care of yourself first, um, you start to be better for other people. Like if you're at a hundred, if you're at a hundred percent, and you can be 100% for others. If right. you're at 50%, you might be able to turn it up, but it, it's harder to keep that momentum going. So that's why when I say self-care is the best care, well, it actually actually is, but people have a hard time doing that because they feel guilty for it. Like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this for me, mm-hmm. which it's like, you know what? And that's where the healthy boundaries come in. It's when people start doing more for other people. And there's that quote where, when you say no to say no to someone else, you're saying yes to yourself. Because mm-hmm. if you start to become a yes person, people are going to take advantage of that, knowing that they can call you. But then you're going to wear yourself out. So when people started to um, put themselves first, they really started to notice a big change, and mm-hmm. stopped feeling it's do stuff for yourself and stop feeling guilty for it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So. Now, now that I know a little bit about what you do and the, the role you play in our society, I'd like to know, we'll go into the mental health parts, learn about, more about your story. So what is your mental health diagnosis and when were you diagnosed? So I was diagnosed with clinical depression, which is a sadness that basically lasts every single day and it can last all day. And it did, like it, it was it was brutal. It was, it was really tough to go through where, you know, there's days I didn't know if I was going to make it. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD, um, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. So it's hard to keep my minds in control without wandering everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, social and general anxiety, but I also had suffered from some concussions, um, which ultimately led me to 
helped me to becoming an addict, like coping with alcohol and drugs. Because the first time I tried that, it's like, okay, well, this now I feel better about myself. It gave me that false sense of confidence. It, it turned me into someone I thought I liked. And right. it, very quickly, people are starting to be like, oh, well, this, this guy is out of control kind of thing. But I got diagnosed with all of that at 26 or I think 28 years old. So 28, I believe, is when I first started actively trying to get help. Okay. Wow. And 30, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. And I guess depression at clinical depression at 28, ADHD and anxiety at 30. So four years ago, six years ago, how old am I? <laughs> I'm 36. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just a number. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Definitely. Oh my gosh. So just, so you, your diagnosis was pretty recent, not just within the last eight years, I guess. Six, yeah, eight, eight years, yep, yep, yep. Right, right, right. So, but I lived with it for I don't know how long. Okay, definitely, because that's usually what it is. People will have symptoms, but they don't really know that it's that. Some people will think it's kind of part of their character or their personality, you know, but not realizing that it actually is something that's actually going wrong with going on in 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 their in their minds and in their brains, and you know what I mean, like. They don't really know that that is an actual an illness until they get to a point. So, yeah. Well, my question is, so tell us a bit more about your mental health story of resilience. What happened? When did you realize that you had the, the depression? Um, how far did it go? Everything, just, just tell, walk us through your story. Well, from a very young, now looking back at it, now that I understand mental health and I know more about it, um, from a very young age, I always felt less than. You know, I had friends, you know, uh, people liked me, um, but I always compared myself to other people. I had very low self-esteem, very low self-worth. Um, I always wanted to be other people. Mm -hmm. um, and when I finally got, I, you know, I was picked on a little bit, but you know, it's, it was like a friendly pick on, but you know, maybe I deserved it a little bit. Cause I might, I was tiny and I was kind of, I kind of ran my mouth a little bit, maybe too much sometimes. <laughs> so it might, it might've been warranted, but you know, when I got out of high school, I, I didn't drink much in high school. Um, barely at all, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very athletic and, but I was always behind my friends in, in sports. So you know, I'd have to watch them play kind of thing. And that's, it was, that was hard to do. But uh, when I got out, I, I started drinking at about nine, 20 years old, 19, 20. And I quickly became an alcoholic, like, like from zero to a hundred, because like I said before, of who it made me feel like the self-confidence that it gave me, you know, I, I ended up having like an algorithm to how much I would drink. I'd have this much before I leave my house this much to you know go on the dance floor this much to talk to this girl to where I, I would overuse it and then I'd, I'd black out kind of thing and don't remember mm -hmm. um, and then it, I ended up moving to Vancouver and bartending downtown and that's kind of when things really started to escalate I'm at the nightclub every night you know closing up the bar as quick as I can so I can get out for power hour power half hour drinking as much as I can then going home and then like ordering a bottle and drinking that but then at 24, I actually, you know, I graduated. I, I tell people to cocaine use. Oh, wow. So I started using drugs as well. And the, it's one of the pivoting points was I did cocaine for the first time, but I don't remember because I was drinking. And 
my buddy told me like the worst thing he probably could have told me is like, man, you were funny last night. And so I was like, Oh, I, I was funny. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. And he didn't know what he was saying. Right? He just, he didn't know that I was going to be like, okay, cocaine makes me funny. So I'm like, okay, well now if I feel low, I can, I can drink. And now if I want to be funny, you know, I got this cocaine. So then I started to put them together and that I was drinking every day. I was using fairly often, like probably almost, almost every day as well for a little bit there. And then I started to lose jobs. And at, at 24, I, I asked myself, am I an alcoholic? And the answer was no. I'm like, well, I'm too smart. I'm 24 years old. I like to have fun. I'm too smart to be an alcoholic. I remember walking across the Camby Street Bridge, looking up, and I still remember it. But I knew deep down that I was. And but I was also correlating alcoholism with being a low life or being not normal. And I'm like, I'm a normal person. I'm young. I'm too smart. And then about seven months down the road, I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine. I could still remember where we're driving. The topic of depression came up and I looked at him like, you know what? Depression's for the week. You know, mm-hmm. it's an excuse. You know, you got to man up. You got to, you got to go to work and you got to pay your bills. And so I was correlating depression with being weak and being an excuse and alcoholism with being a low life. And I'm like, well, I'm none of those. Right. Little do I know I was both of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a depressed alcoholic. And what I became to realize, I was like, I was using alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism. So then at 24, I'm, I'm disregarding these feelings. I'm ignoring them, right? Because this makes me feel better. Why would I want to quit? I'm not hurting anybody. Fast forward four years. Um, I'm with this girl. We break up because I was, I was drinking a lot. I was not, not very good to be around. And we ended up hooking up on my birthday. And she tells me she's pregnant. And at this point, I'm actually becoming suicidal. So for six uh, years, I was suicidal every single day, not knowing if I was going to make it, making plans in my head. What would I write? But I was like, okay, I crashed a car. I'm like, that's it. I took a leave absence from work and like, I got to go to rehab. So I went to rehab and, you know, the first, this was four years ago. Um, and when I got out, my son was born about two no, geez, I went to rehab. He's five now. So six years ago, basically. And when I got out, I looked at my uncle. Like I went there, I went to my classes, I trained, I worked out twice a day, I ate six times. So I was getting bigger, you know. And I first got out, I looked at my uncle who picked me up and I'm like, you know what? I'm not done drinking yet. I'm just going to take a little break. So I just went to rehab to get my life together. And the first thing I said to him when I got out was, I'm, gonna, I'm not done forever. So my son is born, and then two months later, I started hitting the bottle again hard. So wow. six months into his life, uh, my girlfriend had to make the tough decision to take pick up our son and leave. And I don't blame her because I wasn't a safe environment. Well, an ideal environment. I mean, I wasn't abusive or anything like that, but I, I'm not in a spot that a kid should be around. Yeah. So she had to make that decision, and I didn't blame her at all. But that ended up, you know, you think you'd want to get better, but that just made me spiral down even more to, you know, at one point I actually became an organ donor. Hmm. Yeah. Organ donor. And I got milk thistle from my liver and kidney flush because I was preparing my body to give it away. So I wanted to get my body as healthy as I could so that when I ended everything, I would give it away because there was, 
and there was times where you know I had my son and you think people would be like hey you have a son so why, why would you even want to do that well you know at one time I had him and he's three years old and all, all the three-year-olds want to do all they want to do is play with you right yeah. so mm-hmm. but that day I couldn't keep my thoughts together their mind mine was racing I'm sad I'm angry I'm frustrated I'm scared so what do I do I take him to the store I got him some candy and a bag of chips and then brought him home and I put him in front of the tv and I turned on a movie just so I could distract him but then I went behind him and I started crying I'm staring at the back of his head and I started to ask myself these questions like am I gonna make it and the answer was no like am I gonna make it to see him score his first goal to teach him how to ride a bike to see him graduate or get married and the answer was ultimately no right then one time I drank too much I got alcohol poisoning and I ended up in the hospital for the second time in three weeks I've been in the hospital three times with IVs in me. So my hands were going numb. I couldn't keep water down. I had to get my stepdad to take me down there. And I'm, so I'm laying in this bed, pasty, shaky, sweaty, and IVs in my arms. And my, my ex brings my son down and he looks at me and I'll never forget this. Looks at me, looks at her, looks at me, looks at her. And he's like, mommy, what's wrong with daddy? And I started thinking right then and there, this so, this kid deserves a father a father that's going to be there for him his father is going to raise him properly that's going to teach him the way of life and i'm like well if i just end it you know for one my parents don't understand they don't want to see me suffering anymore so i got in this mindset of ending is probably the best thing and then i'm like you know what my ex she's beautiful she's smart she's intelligent she has this massive heart she'll find a perfect guy for him and you know what he's two three years old he's not going to remember me so mm-hmm. I started getting this mindset, of, I might as well just end it. And you know what, I was actually very lucky that because I was in this mindset for a long time. And I didn't, you know what, I always used to think that suicide was, uh, um, was cowardly. Yes. Until I went through it. Of course. Um, it's I was in that mindset where I literally thought the world was better off without me. And I just suffer from this invisible pain. You don't know how to explain it, but I've, I try to tell people, it's like, you see your little brother, your kid choking on something and you can see the piece and you try to grab it, but you just can't reach. You just can't pull it out. Right. That's what I felt. I'm like, well, I can't, I don't want to live like this. And so I got on my set, maybe he's better off without me. But luckily I, uh, I tried to, I started working on the gym a bit to try and get in a better shape, you know, relieve some frustration some anger and I started listening to YouTube videos on motivational speaking and (laughs) I didn't I had no idea who I was listening to at the time but the four main guys uh Trent Shelton yes um Inky Johnson Mm -hmm. you know who that is no I have never heard of him but oh he's good um Eric Thomas okay yeah and Les Brown yes so these guys I don't know who I'm listening to right I do now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-huh. But they all talked about finding your why. Yeah. So I started asking myself these questions and now you're going to, you're going to notice, I think one of my best, best qualities was I was asking myself a lot of questions. Okay. Like I asked myself if I was an alcoholic, I asked myself, you know, am I depressed? Right. So I started asking myself, okay, well, what is my why? So I think the best thing what people could do is, is question not necessarily question everything, but if mm-hmm. something's bothering you, acknowledge it and then question it and try to figure out why it's going on, right? Instead of ignoring it like I did for way too long. So I started asking myself, what's my, what's my why? And I started looking at the little boy. I'm like, 
you know, I know my capabilities. I know I have a big heart. I'm, I'm a good human. So what if I got better for him? Now, I know a lot of people say you got to do it for yourself. I know a lot of people in rehab um, and addicts that, you know, they couldn't do it for themselves. So they had to find a reason to do it for it. So with that, I made it my son. If I get better for him, I get better for me. If I get better for me, then I could probably actually help other people. So I went back to rehab and instead of going with, I got to quit drinking, I like, okay, put my drinking aside. And then I started asking myself, why, why do I drink? I'm depressed. Why am I depressed? Cause I have low self-worth, low self-esteem, low self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Why am I like that? Well, I didn't like myself growing up and I compared myself, but I didn't know how to deal with it. And I never talked about it. Right. So with that, I had to figure out the how, how am I going to get better? Cause the why is the belief, but the how is the action part. So how am I going to get better? Well, you know what? I'm going to start gratituding and journaling and reading and listening to podcasts of guys like me who struggled and, you know, implement what they did. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to give myself some grace to allow myself to feel, right? Because in life, you're going to fail. You're yes. going to be tested. Yes. You're going to get knocked down. You're right. going to have bad days, but you're going to pass. You're going to get back up, you know, <laughs> um, you're going to, you're going to figure it out and you will have good days. Right. So you just got to figure out how to do that. And one of the biggest things is I realized that, you know, another one in my house, I'm going to talk about it, you know? So I've in total, I've been to over hundred doctor's appointments, um, 77 days in rehab, 45 addiction appointments, 10 psychologists, 10 psychiatrists. I've tried eight different meds. Um, but that, well, that one, why really helped me as well. So with that, I, you know, I left rehab, mm-hmm. uh, feeling all good, but then I hit that pink cloud where you got the world under control and then you realize holy cow this is what i have to do for the rest of my life because you don't just recover it's a recovery that's right it's consistent yeah and uh, it hit me and then i you know what i started drinking again and then that's when i ended up hospitalizing myself on january 4th 2019 and with my dad to my left my mom in front of me the counselor to the right i finally admitted out loud that you know what i had a plan and that that plan was to end it Hmm. And, but since that day, I've been sober uh, 27, 28 months now. And, you know, I've spoke to over 500 people on mental health and addiction uh, or workplace wellness and created my own personal development program. So it's, yeah, you know, it's when you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you have to keep walking yes. and have faith in yourself to, you know, uh, to, to get there. And, you know, you're going to have allow yourself to feel those bad days, you know, yeah. recognize them. Why do I feel this way? Okay. What can I do about it? Cool. 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 So when you were going through your process, when you were discovering what your why is, so what is your why? Well, my why to get better was my son. Okay. You know, which became it making my why my son, you know, it ultimately came back to me making myself healthier. But now my why is different. Oh, so my why has evolved. Yeah, you know, is to provide for my kids, right? Give them a good role model. But it's, you know, now my why is people that are suffering. So that's why I like going around and speaking because I can hit a broader audience. And when you when you stand up in front of people and their eyes are on you and they're paying attention, they're listening and they're they're locked on you and they're taking in what you're saying, is it's a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. So now I get the opportunity to go talk a little bit about my experiences, but on ways on how to get, get help for it, how to acknowledge it and, you know, where to reach out. So 
you know, that uh, my why is, is people now, like people to bring awareness to, you know, um, what the power of addiction can do. Yeah. Uh, what mental health capabilities are if you don't get help for it. And if you keep, you know what, for men, if you keep living by that man up stigma, be a man, it, well, you know what being a man is, you know, it's taking responsibilities for what you've done and mm-hmm. asking for help. Yes. You know, I, I just read a book um, by William H. McCraven and he's a Navy SEAL and he talks about, uh, you know, for one, the best thing quote I've ever heard him say is don't ever ring that bell. So in the Navy yeah. SEAL compound, they have that bell you can ring if you quit and it makes you quit. It means you quit. So no more cold days, dark nights and stuff like that. And um, no more long hours, cold swims, but you ring that bell, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. So anytime mm-hmm. I felt like ringing the bell, I was like, okay, I just can't ring that bell. Then I got his book and he says, if you want to change the world, don't do life alone. So he got in a parachute accident or ripped his pelvis in half. So this is a Navy SEAL who's talking about this, who are the badasses. They're like creme de creme and they, they can do anything in life. He said what helped him the most was his friends coming over, mm. his friends texting him his wife being there and his uh, the attorney general or his lieutenant checking in on him. Wow. So this is a Navy SEAL saying, hey, you don't have to do it so alone. So you get all these guys like, oh, I got to man up. I got to man up. I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you, you do have to man up. That Take responsibility for what you did, for what you've said, right? for how you've acted, but ask for help. Definitely. Definitely. Love that. So my next question is, so what did you have to do to overcome or bounce back from your lowest points? List all the resources that were applicable that helped you to bounce, to help you bounce back. I know we talked, we talked a lot about it in, um, in your story, in your, when you talk about resilience, but if you could just list the resources that were helpful to you, that'd be awesome. Well, finding my why was, was the big one. Um, yes. You know, knowing that I'm better than that, no, that I deserve happiness, that I need to love myself first was big. Uh, realizing that, you know, I'm not the only one that suffers. Like there's yeah. one in every 10 people in the world have a mental health issue. And I, it could be even worse right now with what's going on. Definitely. Right? Um, one in every five people will suffer from some sort of mental health episode. And so allowing myself to, or give myself the grace to know that I'm not alone in this. And it's, because I always thought I was the unnormal one, right? But doing gratitude, like, what are you grateful for? Start your day off of it. Three things you're grateful for. Like, you want to start or end, end your day with gratitude. Like, what am I grateful for today? I actually have an alarm on my phone. That's, you know, the first one, six o'clock, it says, unleash the beast. <laughs> so just wake up. Number or at 12 o'clock, it says, gratitude, mindfulness, and affirmations so that's like what am i grateful for okay what am i and then mindfulness what am i thinking about right now what's around me and then affirmations like i am statements like i am you know i am strong i am recovery i am adversity you know i am a good person you know reaffirming to myself who i am Mm -hmm. but also i journaled my feelings for a while there and like i said oh podcasting that was that was a big thing for me i was listening to podcasts every single day um of guys you know manly men who say, Hey, it's okay. You know, I struggled too. like guys that struggle with addictions um, and saying it's okay. You're going to have those days, but ask for help. You're not alone. So reading was one exercising was 
has been the best antidepressant I've ever had. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, eating healthy is, is a real, I don't think people really realize how important eating healthy is for your brain. You mm -hmm. eat, you eat garbage, you start to feel like garbage. It's just a hundred percent true. And whatever, since I quit drinking, I've, I've always had a sugar bug and it's, uh, I can get cravings and addictions to sugar. And it's, if I ever do go down that road, it's, you know, it's making me, it makes me feel bad. And like, I feel guilty and shameful for having it, but then it just, it makes me feel drained and it just takes a lot out of me. So having that healthy diet is it's key. Like eating superfoods and like blueberries and spinach and healthy fats. And it's, they're all there for a reason. Yes. Brain food. But the best thing to do is take the first step. So I actually, I actually have something called my three A's. So that's admit the problem, whatever it is that you face, the accept it internally that this is a truth for me. And then you ask for help. So the biggest thing you got to do, well, the first step is you got to admit it. So when I could, when I finally admitted that, Hey, I am an alcoholic, I am depressed. I had to accept it, but I don't have to let it define who I am, but that's what, that's what's going on for me. So I had to admit that to myself Then I had to accept it internally. And then I asked for help and I really asked for help. But when it came back to it, I thought I accepted it, but I didn't because, you know, every time I, when it's over one, two, three months, I'm like, well, I can just have a drink. That guy's doing it. Why can't I do it? And then one would turn into two, turn two, turn into three, to throw out of five, and then we blacked out again. And then I missed time at work, missed time with my son. And whenever I started to feel good about myself, I'd stop going to counseling. I'd stop taking my medication. Like, I don't need you. I can do it alone. Mm -hmm. So it really had to go back to the acceptance part. So that, hey, Justin, you should not drink. I'll never say I can't because I don't like that. <laughs> But I shouldn't. <laughs> um, and then, hey, Justin, you need to accept the help. So I admit the problem, accept it internally, really accept it, and then ask for help. And if you have to be on meds, that's fine. Like, I'm not on medication right now. But, you know, if I feel like I need to go back on it, I will. Because it definitely helps me. Okay. Cool. Yeah, those are some really good points there to help you. Um, yeah, those are some good points. My next question is, what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point? Oh, geez. Um, an understanding, for one. Better understanding. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, huh, you know, it's at my lowest point, I, you know, I did a lot to reach out acceptance i wish i had more acceptance of it so understanding of the problem yeah. understanding that it's okay accepting that i needed help and i had to keep getting help and you know i had some people give up on me yeah so I wish some people but i i had other people step up so yes. i mean i had one friend that texted me every day unfortunately he ended up passing away from addiction so that that hurt um he ended up overdosing and then oh. but yeah he's a good dude too but another guy stepped up and started texting me every single day and you know even if I didn't respond he didn't get mad at me he just would text me the next day and just see how I'm doing so you know I better like I wish I had some more people that wouldn't give up on me because at that point I, I was I gave up on myself yes I understand. when you get other people giving up on you it's just like well what do I what do I have to live for kind of thing but 
you know, having that person that texted me every day was, was really good. It's when you get into mental health and start to feel low, build yourself up a support network and people that are going to build you up and encourage you. you know, be, be there to listen to you, not to fix, but just to listen, you know, when you need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Cool. So understanding and acceptance. Those are, those are two really good ones that you were mentioning. Definitely. So what words of hope can you give to our listeners? Uh, you know what? You're going you're gonna to have bad days. You're going to have good days. But it's, it's making sure you take advantage of those good days and giving yourself some grace on those bad days that, you know what, if you just, if you just lay in bed and yeah, have some food and watch a movie, <laughs> that's okay because you're still here. And, you know, in the end, you, 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 when you feel like you're alone, you are somebody, somebody there is, you are something to somebody. There are people that love you for you and you deserve to be here. You deserve to love yourself. You are here for a reason. And it was hard to sometimes find that reason at 30, at 34, 35 years old, I'm 36. Now I just started finding my purpose. And I, I right. believe my purpose is to help other people to bring awareness. Right. So don't, don't try to move too quickly. Just do what you can. If baby steps, you know, mm-hmm. it's, there's a time where I didn't think I was going to make it. There's a time where I thought, you know what? I should just end it all. There's a time I didn't think I'd see my kid scores for school. You know, there was a time my girlfriend left me three years later we're we are back together. Oh, that's wonderful. She's expecting. We are expecting in September. Aww. Uh, I got to coach my kid in hockey this year and cool. baseball. And I actually have his first puck from his first goal. Aww, that's so sweet. I love it. So if people give up on you, because they might, just don't give up on yourself. Yeah. Because if you know it's gonna be hard work, yes, but is it gonna be worth it? Absolutely. There is I am proof that there it does get better, but you mean we have to work on it. Yes. Love it. Love that advice. So with that said, we're gonna do a switcheroo in topics right now, just a little. Yeah. Um, as you can see behind me, there's a book. It's called The Music of My Life. Um, and basically I talk about my journey with mental health, with bipolar and music therapy. So my question to you is what type of music do you like? Oh man. You know what? I listen to a lot of um, audible books when I work out or motivational speaking. When I work out, when it comes to music, I am all over the map. Okay. Yeah. If it's motivational or if it's somebody singing about their struggles, I I love it. Like, okay. it's like, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm yeah. still not the only one. So right. I like listening to music and like a comeback story or listening to them. Okay, this is what I went through. This is how I felt. It's something that speaks to me. I don't, I listen to country. I don't know if it's hip hop, R&B, you know, <laughs> rap. Like if it speaks to me, I like it. Okay. I, just, I don't discriminate, discriminate against any music. I don't okay. really have, yeah. if I had to pick a favorite, I don't know. I, I, like hip-hop probably the most but okay yeah cool so if you were to think of a song that describes your journey what would it be and why 
so in rehab, we actually had to play a song for our group, the group of 12 that uh, defined us kind of like what we felt like. And it's, it's called, is happiness just a word by Vinnie Paz. Mm. And I just, I don't know if you know it, but I happened to come across it and it's, it, it talks about a guy living in his mom's basement, which I did. Um, the guy's very smart, which, you know, I got good grades. Uh, the doctor's giving all these medications, yet he still feels bad. And he can't, he's having a hard time concentrating. And I have ADHD and I was having a hard time like learning new things and staying concentrated. So it, it like explained how I was feeling to a T and like, it, it felt, I actually ended up messaging him. I'm like, man, like it, it feels like you wrote this about me. He's like, Oh cool, man. I'm glad you got something out of it. He actually responded too. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but it, it just, it explained me what I was feeling don't know why I feel like this I shouldn't feel like this I'm feeling guilty for feeling like this my parents don't know why I'm taking these medications I can't concentrate I I want to die but I don't want to be dead kind of thing and like it covered it covered everything so if they want to if somebody wants to listen to what I kind of felt like that's it's Vinnie Paz is happiness just a word okay cool yeah I was I was taking a listen to it just before we started it's a pretty good song I didn't get a chance to get deep into it, but it was a pretty good song. Cause I do like my, I, I do like um, a little bit of hip hop as well. So um, yeah, it's, it, it seems pretty cool. So. But you know, what did my, my sister just sent me a song and it is, she said it reminds her of me now. Oh. Um, Be a light by Thomas Rhett, Reba McIntyre and Hillary Scott it talks about you know in a time full of war be the peace and a time full of hate be the love kind of thing and yeah and it's when she sent that to me i'm like what are you trying to make me cry (laughs) like this reminds me of you and i'm like oh very excited you know i try to be that guy that that uplifts people that 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 smiling voice smiling voice (laughs) i can be a smiling voice (laughs) right and (laughs) you know it's it's it was really cool to hear that that's cool. It's good when you can, when people can see your progress yeah. and that you've actually, you know, that you've, you've come from somewhere and, and they can, they can identify and they can be like, you know what, they can celebrate with you. It's just, it's just, a, it's a really good feeling when someone oh, can celebrate your wins, you know? I'm, I'm so happy that you just said that because, you know, in my coaching program, Every week we say, let's celebrate some wins. What are some small wins? Because you know what? Small wins over time lead to big wins. And if you're struggling, if you, you know what? Yesterday you laid a bed. Today you get up, you have a shower. Hey, small win. Boom. Because I know what it's like. I, did, I wouldn't shower for a, a week. Yeah. <laughs> right? Know and, you know what? I just, you know, got up, my shower, left my house. That's a big, for me, that was a big win. So, build up those small wins or big win and make them a big win right like baby steps that's all it is is baby steps because you take enough baby steps you're gonna learn to take strides i had this you know the saying is first you learn to crawl what is it then you learn to take baby steps then you learn to walk then you find your stride Hmm, i like that like that i like that that's really cool so um brian i mean justin so how can we stay in touch with you what are your social media handles 
So I turned my personal Facebook into just a regular Facebook or into my business Facebook. Um, I, I share like a little bit of family stuff, but mostly content and lessons. Uh, so it's just Justin Bryan, or I have a website, www.justinbryan.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at justinbryan19. Cool. And hey, you know what? If you get anything out of this podcast, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear what uh, what you what you thought about it. Cool. Awesome. So with that said, I want to thank you very much, Justin, for being a guest on our show. Um, I, I really believe that there are people who are going to take some really great messages and nuggets from your, from your, um, your story. And with that said, to all you resilient minds out there, until next time, please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Also, join the community of Resilient Minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at www.cleonycrawford.com. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Music of My Life, on all market, Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. And if you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show or connect with Justin's testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at Only Cleone or Resilient Minds 365 and today's guest at Justin Brian 19, if I've got that right. You got it. Awesome. And remember, mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, thrive, and live a life of abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford and I'm signing off. <laughs>